There is one story that every person is a part of, and it goes like this. God created us out of love to be in relationship with him. But our trust in God was broken by sin, and we became separated from him. So God sent Jesus Christ into the world to redeem us and restore us to new life. We all belong within the big, universal story of God's redeeming love. But at the same time, we each have our own individual experiences with God. Our encounters with his grace, mercy, hope, healing. These moments are as unique and unrepeatable as we are. And they are stories that are meant to be shared. You're listening to The Story, a podcast by St. Andrew the Apostle Catholic Church. In each episode, a different member of our community tells the story of a personal experience in their journey to know and follow the Lord. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Story. For episode 13, I spoke to Joanna Bruno. Joanna will be sharing about how God has been shaping her into the woman that he wants her to be through her vocation and specifically through motherhood. Joanna, could you introduce yourself for the people who are listening? Sure. My name is Joanna Bruno. I'm married to my husband, Dominic, almost 10 years now in October. We have uh, seven kids, actually, but two of them are in heaven. We had two miscarriages and four are visible and one is in utero. (laughs) So um, we just found out that's boy number four. So we've got two boys and then a girl and then a Two more boys. So Caleb is eight and Benny is six and a half. Cora just turned five. Andre is two and a half. And then um, baby will be here in November and he doesn't have a name yet. And then I am the oldest of four. Um, my parents and youngest sister, who's 20 years younger than I am, come to St. Andrew the Davises. And then I have two brothers, one that's three years younger than me and one that's five years younger than me. And they both live in Plymouth. So everybody's still pretty local, which is nice. Um, we've, my family's been in Celine since I was in seventh grade. So I realized that was like almost a quarter of a century ago. And right. <laughs> that made me feel like, wow, uh, yeah. we've been here a long time. Um, I did, I went to college in Ohio. Um, so I was gone for those four mm-hmm. years and then lived in Minnesota for four years mm-hmm. after college. And that's where I met Dominic. Um, mm-hmm. he's from Idaho. So we kind of met in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I really appreciate that you were interested in coming on the podcast. And especially you were really encouraging early on uh, when I, when we first launched the first few episodes, and I really appreciated that. So uh, we have a longtime fan here. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I am so excited. <laughs> now gets to be on the podcast. Um, yeah. And so what did you, what were you thinking about sharing with the parish? Yeah, um, well, I guess before I jump into that, I, I do want to say this has been awesome listening to the podcast. It's so edifying to listen to yeah. these stories because you sit across from somebody in the pews and mm-hmm. you have, you know, their name and you know, like that they have kids or they're married to so-and-so or whatever, but you don't really know what's going on in their relationship with the Lord. And so mm-hmm. it's really, that's been really edifying for me. So I'm I'm excited to, to share and humbling too of like, mm-hmm. I'm not the only person who has these things going on in my life or who the Lord is working with, like that he's working with all of us in a deep way. I think that's what I'm finding more and more that the Lord is working in so many beautiful ways. And it is really great to hear these things and even people that I work with 
know, we've had several staff members on here and I'm like, I work with you every day. I did not know this about you. So it is. I, I echo that thought for sure. Yeah. Um, what I want to share about was how motherhood for me has been a path to holiness. But I think before I jump into how being a mom has helped mm-hmm. me to grow, it'd be a good idea to kind of have a, a picture of like pre-motherhood. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we need a little pre-motherhood. bit of, We need the backstory yeah. a little bit, yeah. So like I said, I'm the oldest um, and my sister's 20 years younger than me, my youngest sibling. Mm-hmm. So for most of like all of my growing up years, it was me and my two brothers. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely the typical, stereotypical oldest child of like have to do everything right, have mm-hmm. to be in control, very responsible. Mm-hmm. And that more and more as I grew up became just root, like this is who I am. I am mm-hmm. I am perfect. I am always right. I get A's. I am, you know, the first chair in band. Mm-hmm. Like whatever I do, I have to do it the best and mm-hmm. I have to um, achieve. And that's where my value comes in mm-hmm. is being competent. And I'm someone who has like a pretty intense personality and a lot of interests. So like I will dive into things and just like want to become really good at them or proficient at least. And so I feel like I was able to have a lot of success growing up in some ways because if I wasn't successful, I just didn't do it <laughs> and I didn't persevere right. in things. And I think that that really is that just became this foundation of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, from a faith perspective, my family was Catholic. Both my parents are Catholic and and always have been. Um, I don't think our faith was really central to it wasn't really central to our lives when I was growing up for most of my growing mm-hmm. up years, which is funny. If you know my parents now, you would be sort of shocked about that because yeah. yeah. it is totally the bedrock of of their lives now. But, you know, we would go to mass, I think, most Sundays. But I really I have this distinct memory of walking through the Meyer parking lot with my mom. And I was probably like in first or second grade, desperately trying to memorize the Our Father and feeling like I was so far behind. And I think I hadn't been in religious ed and obviously, my parents hadn't taught me the Our Father at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't like this, like traditional Catholic family. And we maybe prayed grace before meals. Mm-hmm. We had dinner together, like so. We did some like good kind of family right. things. But um, I think most of my faith formation as an elementary school kid came from my friend's Protestant church that I'd go with her um, to uh, their like Wednesday night youth programs, and then VBS in the summer. We went to camp together. And that's where I, I think I learned about like having a relationship with Jesus and reading the Bible, that God mm-hmm. was my father, prayer. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things didn't come through my family. They came through Tara. Mm-hmm. And she really did lead me closer to Jesus. She mm-hmm. wanted to be a missionary in Africa, which I thought was crazy, but kind of like planted those seeds mm-hmm. that that was possible. That mm-hmm. There was like a radical way of being a Christian. Yeah. And then we moved to St. Andrew when I was in seventh grade and we did get involved in the parish kind mm-hmm. of in typical things. I think my mom taught religious ed with my brothers, like a home study group. And I did some things with the middle school youth group, which I laugh about when I think about it now because it was like me and one other kid and the youth minister. And now <laughs> thinking about what edge is like and yeah. I sometimes help with different things for edge. Like it's really cool to see how much that's grown. Yeah. Um, and then it was in high school that I really started to own my faith particularly the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, I went to a conference in Notre Dame and was prayed with to receive more of the Holy Spirit. But I think even before that, I went to confession and made 
like a really good confession for the first time. There was a particular sin that I had not wanted to confess and mm-hmm. like was really ashamed of and wouldn't tell anybody about it. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't want to talk to Father Will who knew my parents. And, right. Like I didn't want to say it. Right. I didn't want to own it. And I just remember there was just this grace at this retreat to like mm-hmm. confess, you know, s- own it. Mm-hmm. And that was not the first time I had to confess that sin because mm-hmm. it was pretty habitual in my life. But but it was over the because of that confession mm-hmm. and then over the course of the next several years of mm-hmm. my life, like continuing to come back to the sacrament and continue to confess that sin that I think really opened me up to receive mm-hmm. more of God's grace. And I think also I had been thinking, oh, this sin is so awful. It's like the worst thing that I've ever done. I'm so ashamed of it. Right. And it turns out that there's like a lot of other sins that the Lord <laughs> wanted to root out of my life that I was blind to. Yeah. And some of which I'll talk about when I talk about being a mom and how right. God has done that. But so, yeah, there was a lot of grace there. And then I also went to World Youth Day with mm-hmm. John Paul II in Toronto. And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a huge summer for me. So I think I I ended that summer kind of realizing, like, mm-hmm. I need to to get off the fence here and, and like, mm. really dive in and, like, either do this or not do this. Mm-hmm. So my senior year was really fruitful. There's mm-hmm. a lot of growth and a lot of good friendships that came out of that. And kind of that launched me into college. I wanted to go to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I um, I nearly lost my faith in college, but I also grew a lot. And mm. um, it really was not till the very end of my senior year that I just all of a sudden was beset by all these doubts and questions. But I still had this, like, I want to believe. I want this to be true. I want God to really be there. And so I chose, I had already at the beginning of the year said I was going to do a year of service after I graduated, but I actually ended up applying to missionary organizations, and which is a funny thing for someone who's in the midst of, like, a crisis of faith is, like, I'm going to go be a missionary. But I think I had this sense that, like, if I could just surround myself with people who loved the Lord and lived Mm -hmm. like it was all real, then that would translate into my life, too. Right, Um, right. So I ended up after college applying to Focus, which most people are aware of. It's Mm -hmm. a fellowship of Catholic university students, Mm -hmm. and they do missionary work with university students uh, across the country. And St. Paul's Outreach, which also Mm -hmm. does uh, missionary work with students um, on college campuses. And then uh, Net Ministries, which Mm -hmm. I know you interviewed Cody. So Mm -hmm. the listeners of the podcast will have already heard a lot about Net. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... It was totally God's God's providence. I heard back from St. Paul's Outreach first. I had gotten involved with this group, um, our Catholic student group. Some friends of mine and I had started at Xavier, had gotten involved with mm-hmm. St. Paul's Outreach in Columbus, and I just like fell in love with this the radical nature of and the love that mm-hmm. these people had for each other and for me, like someone they didn't even know. So I decided to to work for SPO, and I was just supposed to spend a year, and I was either going to be in Columbus or St. Paul. And then I ended up being in Minnesota for four years because I just fell in love with this community of people and how much they were pursuing the Lord. And I I feel really blessed to have been part of that group. I met Dominic there, and that was wonderful. Um, And then we were getting married in 2011, and he was also graduating with his master's degree then and was going to be looking for a different job. So that's how we ended up in in Celine is because that was the only door that stayed open of different job opportunities. Um, That was when Cece Sheridan was retiring. Mm -hmm. And so Dominic essentially took her position and has been here ever since. And so it was clearly the Holy Spirit Mm because I had all these reasons why we love living in St. Paul. And let's just stay here. We have all these friends. We still have all these great friends in St. Paul. But it was totally God's will for us to be here. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful that the Lord did call us to Michigan but I guess something I didn't say in the midst of all of that, mm-hmm. like, young adulthood was that I spent a lot of time wrestling with what the Lord was calling me to 
as my vocation and really just wanting the Lord to say, this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, like, I, I think even though I could see the beauty of religious life and spent a couple years, like, not dating intentionally so that I could really just let the Lord pursue my heart and figure out what what do you want from me then I eventually it was actually 2008 I had a friend making her first profession as a Dominican sister and two other friends all from high school getting married in like the same week Mm -hmm. so I was going to come back to Michigan I was going to go to a wedding then I was going to go to a first profession and then I was going to go to another wedding and I just remember (laughs) it was after a whole year of not dating and like trying to discern God's will really intensely and I remember saying to the Lord like okay whatever of these events most moves my heart (laughs) That's my right. vocation. Like, I just want to know. Mm-hmm. And um, and the profession was beautiful. And the first wedding was beautiful. But it was at the third wedding that was here at St. Andrew. And it was just this, like, just my soul was just, like, filled. Like, I think that was the moment at which the Lord, like, validated, like, yeah, you really desire marriage. Like, this is really the desire of your mm-hmm. heart. And um, I left this – it's a little bit of an embarrassing story. But I left that wedding saying, like, okay, the next person that asks me out, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> like, I'm done not dating for <laughs> a year. Committed. And, yeah. And, ready to go. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it was, again, more time of the Lord showing me, like, your way is not, not... necessarily my way. And yeah. really my way is best. So yeah. there is still some bumps in the road before – marital bliss and entering Mm -hmm. into my vocation Mm -hmm. but it was funny dominic actually moved to saint paul in 2008 like right after i got back from that Mm -hmm. wedding was when he was moving to saint paul so Mm -hmm. the lord he had he had things moving (laughs) but then i did also just i'm really grateful that through this community that i was Mm -hmm. part of and through saint paul's outreach received a lot of great formation on what is vocation what is this Mm -hmm. call to holiness and what is not just priestly vocation or religious vocation, but but marriage as a vocation and mm-hmm. looking at that as like this is a path to holiness mm-hmm. and this is a call from God. And it's not just something we sort of fall into because God doesn't want us to be a priest or a sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I entered into marriage with a lot of – a lot of high – I mean I have high ideals for everything, but a lot of high <laughs> ideals of like, yes, like this is it. You know, mm-hmm. I've read a lot – I read the whole theology of the body in – before college and in college and loved it and mm-hmm. was just like, all right, I get to live this now. Um, and it's great. <laughs> when I look back on it, though, I'm like, oh, I didn't know. Like, I you didn't, just didn't, I know. Just didn't yeah. know what what that was really going to look like. And I think, too, I even had some idea of like, this isn't going to be easy. But I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm ready for it. Like, like maybe I've never trained for a marathon. I hate running. <laughs> I can't even like run to the end of my driveway. But the same, I like, yes, like the challenge is invigorating. But then I find, at least for my own personality, I get into the midst of the hard stuff and I'm like, oh, no, never mind. Right. This this is not what I saw. I can't do this or I don't want to do this is really more of it. I don't want to do this. I think we all like to think that we will be more like heroic or courageous <laughs> when we do something really hard and gritty yeah and then the reality is sometimes you're just in the middle of it and you're just trying to like mm-hmm. keep from drowning you're yeah. not like heroically making right. it through you're just this time. Yeah, kind of flailing around yeah. hoping someone will throw you a lifeline <laughs> yeah. please yeah. save me lord save me you know yeah. we're perishing here yep. um yep. yeah so i guess that kind of brings me to motherhood and i could talk also about how being a wife mm-hmm. also is sanctifying mm-hmm. and purifying but i think it's been mostly through being a mom because mm-hmm. that's like the day in day out that like there are four people demanding mm-hmm. me all the time and Dominic doesn't like yell at me and cry and hit me when I don't 
do what he wants right. me to do. And like, if you just were to leave him alone for a week, he could survive. <laughs> he could survive. <laughs> exactly. And so it is in, I think, um, motherhood. I, I picked up this book randomly at, on vacation, actually, we went to this Catholic family camp. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Ultimate Makeover, which I thought was sort of a stupid title. But then I recognized the author and it was free. And I thought, oh, I'll just pick it up and read it. And it's been so good. What she has to say is basically, I think, what I want to share, which is that mm-hmm. motherhood is supposed to be hard. You're not doing it wrong if it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. And it's hard because God loves you and because he wants you to grow in a certain way that you wouldn't grow in if you didn't have these difficulties of whatever the difficulties of your motherhood are. And so um, when I was thinking about, you know, okay, how has a mo- being a mom transformed me or how has mm-hmm. it allowed the Lord to work in my life in ways that he wouldn't have otherwise, I I could see that there like I said at the very beginning, you know, my identity up until really when my eldest was two and a half, my mm-hmm. identity was being perfect and being good at everything and being able to be in control and I'm going to be prepared and I'm responsible and I am dependable and and I know what I'm getting into and I know how to do this so that I will not have all these pitfalls that I see all these other people around me having. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's so prideful and I can recognize that now, but I really like had these thoughts as as a – even before I got married, of course, before you get married and have kids, you know everything there is to know about raising children. Right. You know, and I'd look at my <laughs> friends who had kids and I'd be like, oh, my kids are never going to do that. Mm-hmm. Or you think about your own growing up. You're like, well, I'm never going to do that or I'm not, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to avoid these mistakes that my parents made or these mistakes that other people's mm-hmm. parents made. I'm going to be the perfect parent so that I can have the perfect children. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was kind of my mindset going into motherhood. And um, and I felt like I really was well prepared. I did have all this great formation. And the Lord had really just poured out all these graces in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'm ready. And we had Caleb um, in March of 2013. And it was a pretty rough transition to just like the physical aspect of being a mom like I had a pretty we had a I lost a lot of blood during delivery and had to have a transfusion and so I just felt awful for a while and like nursing didn't get off to a great start but like persevered through that and then I felt like things were just like cooking along and I had this great little baby and Mm -hmm. you know was so happy and and he was just a joy like and I mean not all the time obviously and there was a lot of nights and I remember being like if this baby needs me one more time, like he right. wouldn't sleep except on someone's chest for like the first six weeks of his life. So actually Dominic spent a lot of time. I think he said this in his yeah. interview too, like sleeping with this baby on his chest, which mm-hmm. you don't realize how heavy a nine pound baby is until you let them lay on you for like right. eight hours. And you're like, right. my arms are going numb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't do this anymore. So anyways, there's just like a lot of physical difficulty, but mm-hmm. um, he, Caleb was really precocious and sweet. And I thought like, look, I am the best mom ever because I have this perfect child. And we still were going to daily mass a lot. And up until like he was about two and a half, I really like I would still we would hang out with our our friends that had a few more kids. And I'd be like, your kids are mean to my kid. And my kid is never going to do that. And, you know, your kid is stealing my kid's toys. And my kid is never going to do that. And he's so sensitive and sweet. And anyway, so then I think there was this moment that I realized like all that just shattered around me. So we're at daily mass with Father Francis and Caleb was like just just needed to move. And so all of a sudden, like before Dominic and I could 
catch him, he is running circles around the daily mass chapel, like as fast as this kid can go. And Father Francis has to stop. He's in the middle of the Eucharistic prayers and he has to stop because he's so distracted. And he wasn't up like angry or anything. He just was like legitimately lost his place because there's this two and a half year old kid tearing around the church. So we finally, we got Caleb settled down and mm-hmm. went, I don't remember the rest of what happened, but but it was like in that moment that I was like, oh, I'm not the perfect mother like, and I do oh. not have the perfect child. And and I feel like the Lord was like, yep, and that is where I want you to be, like to realize that this is not your identity mm-hmm. and this is, I don't care if you're perfect. Mm-hmm. You're not. Like you think you are and you think you have to keep up this facade mm-hmm. of being perfect and competent and being able to do all mm-hmm. these things. And, and a lot of my identity too is being a leader or being recognized Spiritually, like being a missionary, you know, like everybody knew like, oh, that's Joanna. She works for St. Paul's Outreach or that's Joanna. She does confirmation Mm -hmm. or like being known and being appreciated Mm -hmm. and respected was really important. And then Mm -hmm. when becoming a mom, you know, there's just and Caleb really was in a lot of ways like a demanding kid of one. It just wanted to be with me all the Mm -hmm. time. Like I would lay at the on the floor and like hold my arm up to his crib so he could rub my wrist while he mm-hmm. fell asleep for like 45 minutes every mm-hmm. night and you know so you can't like do a lot of activities in the evening that you volunteer right. for when right. that's what how you spend your evenings mm-hmm. and your kid is waking up every couple hours right and all these things so all of a sudden I had to start dropping doing all of these things that mm. had been my identity and these things that brought me other people's acclaim and start living this really much more hidden life and I think that's been something that the Lord has helped me to embrace. And at first it was really hard because I felt like he was just stripping away all these things that, you know, my competence and my dependability and my respect in other people's eyes. And here I was like washing diapers and dishes and making food for people and dealing with kids that were yelling and crying. And there's a lot of good things too. I don't, don't want to <laughs> turn this into right. like motherhood is awful because it's not. It's such a blessing. And and it was such a blessing and is mm-hmm. such a blessing that the Lord did that and keeps doing that in my life. But it's hard. But it was really good for the Lord to do that. And I think that's that's like the first way that he started working in me is showing me that motherhood is a hidden life. And it's not like you're not doing this for other people. And you're doing this. I think what's happened throughout the course of the last Caleb's eight, almost eight and a half. So eight and a half years of being a mom is that the Lord has been shifting my focus both away from other people. Mm. I'm doing this to please other people and get their acclaim and myself. I'm doing this for myself so that I can better myself or I can be holier Mm -hmm. or whatever to my only reason should be doing this for the Lord. It's not so that someone else is going to be like, good job, you're a great mom, or so you're going to feel good about yourself, or so your kid's going right. to thank you. It's for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that perfectly. <laughs> but he's been showing me that, like, this is where I want you to be. Like, it's mm-hmm. for me. It's not about you. And I think that you were talking about having these just high ideals for yourself. And part of that, I think, purification process is, like, God – saying, this is my ideal for you, and sort of helping us to phase out these things that we had as our ideals Mm -hmm. and phase his in. Like, let me show you what it is that you really want. Um, That perspective shift, I feel like that is one thing that I'm hearing is just that that God has 
changed the way that you see things. Mm -hmm. And even if it's somewhat painful or uncomfortable, would you say that it is better overall when he has done that versus just like staying in the dark of not seeing those things? Yeah, it's so much better. And I find that I am growing in all these virtues that I really don't think I would have otherwise. Like I am a much more patient person now than I was eight years ago. And I'm a much more compassionate person than I was eight years ago. And I have a much better understanding of who I really am. And I think that that just gives me a lot of peace. And I'm certainly like like St. Paul, like I'm striving. I have not arrived at the finish line yet. <laughs> like really when the right. Lord makes me humble and patient, I will die the next day because that's like that he just keeps working on these mm-hmm. things. I'm not humble and I am not patient. And so right. he keeps helping me become more that way by giving me these children that that demand that from me or I will go crazy or they or I will hurt them. You know, I think there's this I, I have so many times in being a mom, I have looked at how I respond to a situation and thought that is going to hurt this child who I love so much. And it's usually like when they're asleep, mm-hmm. you know, and then thinking back through the day, like, oh, I just, you know, you asked me for something and I yelled at you because I was in the middle of some other project. So I think there's all these things that the Lord by giving me this desire to be a good mom, you know, even if that desire was actually rooted in a desire to be perfect and like right. receive a claim, like because I have that desire and because I love my children so much, it is a powerful motivation to do the things that I need to do or let the Lord do the things in me mm-hmm. to become the woman that he wants me to be and to be holy. And I have been seeing how the Lord has been doing that, showing me through my kids and through my experiences being a mom and thinking like I can only see all the things that my children are doing wrong in the day and then getting to the end of the day and just being like, ugh, I'm a failure. We're all failures. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. To just in the last like two weeks, actually because of this women's group mm-hmm. I'm part of, we had this resolution to at the end of the day think about the good things that we did during mm-hmm. the day and thank God for doing that good in us. And so I started doing that for myself and I started doing it for my kids. And it is amazing to me if I just – you know, before they go to bed, tell them five good things that they did for each kid. It's like 20 good things, plus wow. five for me, plus five for Dominic. They're like li- ending the day, like listing off mm-hmm. 30 good things that I did yeah. and the people around me did. I just go to bed in a completely different frame of mind. And so I feel like the Lord is just slowly showing me, you don't always have to look at all the problems because it's not your job to fix them anyways. Yeah. And you can't. And yeah. Father's homily today about, you know, the five loaves and the two fish, that's like, that's how I feel all the time. Like, here's this enormous task. Like, you need, like, become a saint, help your husband become a saint, and help all your children become saints. And by the way, you have all these flaws and difficulties right. <laughs> to deal with. But then it, it like helps me to remember that it's not, it's not me, anyways. Like, I have to bring what I can bring, which is this piddly little amount. Right. I can't really do anything with mm-hmm. it. And trust that God is going to take that mm-hmm. and multiply it, even in ways that I don't see. And I think that's a really humbling thing about being a mom is that. You're doing all these things and you're generally not getting a lot of positive feedback from your children. Like when you make them do their chores, they're not like, oh, thank you for helping me develop responsibility and prepare myself for adulthood, mom. This is great. I'm so glad that when I'm 30, I'll know how to do all this stuff and I'll have Mm -hmm. all these great habits. They're like, I don't want to set the table. I want to go play or I, you know, and so you continually have to have this confidence that, no, we're on the right track or if we're not, God is going to direct us to the Mm -hmm. right track. Mm And and I just have to keep holding you accountable and telling you to do things that you want to do all day long. 
And it's like, it's so humbling. And like, and I don't even know if it's working yet because right. I don't think I'm going to know if it's working till you're like 30. No, you can't see, <laughs> and then it's too late. You can't if, see the future. If I messed you up, like it's right. too late. Um, so it really does, my aunt shared this a long time ago with me that her prayer at the end of the day is something along the lines of anything good that I did, like let that bear fruit in the lives of my children and anything I did that would mess them up, like let them forget it. Like let it just like roll off their backs and I think she said it more eloquently than that. But that's been my prayer recently of like recognizing that very far from being the perfect mother and having the perfect children, I am actually going to really mess my kids up. But Jesus isn't. Like yeah. He's not going to mess them up. So if I can give them him, yeah, I just got to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Therese has this beautiful quote. She's talking about being a novice mistress. Mm-hmm. And she says, I don't even – I don't have what it takes to form these young women to be sisters – so I'm just going to like close my eyes and hold out my hand and Jesus is going to fill it with whatever they need. And I'm going to like not even turn around. I'm just going to like hold my hand out behind my back and give it mm-hmm. to these novices. And I don't know why that's always, I mean, I read that, I read the story of a soul like way before I was a mom, but especially being a mom, I think that just, it resonates with me even more of like, I don't have what it takes And I have all these flaws, and I don't want my flaws to hurt my kids. So, Mm -hmm. Jesus, just give me what I need Mm -hmm. to give to them today and let that let me get out of the way um, and stop being so selfish and so (laughs) concerned about my projects and my priorities and what I want my kids to behave like in public Mm -hmm. and comparing my kids with these other kids Mm -hmm. and and just let them be who they are Mm -hmm. and develop into the people that God wants them to be. And he knows how to do that. Like, I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, which is is really humbling. Um, I like to hear how people learn these things from God. Hard way. And, well, we and we, but we all do, and it's a lifelong process, mm-hmm. right? Like we never, like you said, the day that God makes you like humble and patient, patient. you'll just that'll be it. You'll be ready to go to heaven. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about. There's that scripture verse of "Be perfect, like your heavenly Father is perfect," and that can be confusing for us as Christians that, oh, I, I have to try to be perfect, but hmm. but I, I feel like it's actually an invitation yeah. to rely on the Lord. Um, That's different from perfectionism, which is like, I have to be perfect on my own. Yeah. I think I've heard it be perfect in love. I mean, that's not what the verse mm-hmm. says, but like, mm-hmm. that's the idea. And I think... That the next part says, in at least in one of the Gospels, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, mm-hmm. for he makes his sunshine on the good and the bad, and the mm-hmm. rainfall on the just and the unjust. Like, that he loves without condition. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is actually really this idea of being perfect in love is mm-hmm. very much like my journey in motherhood of loving my children for who they are, mm-hmm. as they are, accepting their faults, learning that that's how the Lord loves me, and striving to accept his love, and then let it be that his love that I am passing along to my children, that mm-hmm. I am loving them perfectly as the Heavenly Father loves them, not in the way that I was seeking to be loved, right. which is by being perfect in mm-hmm. the eyes of the world, so therefore I'll be worthy of love, but recognizing that our identity as children of God is what gives us our value. And mm-hmm. that's why God loves us because he created us. And like same with, especially my last baby with Andre. I just remember for the first like four days of his life, all I wanted to do was just like hold him and look at him. Mm-hmm. You're so 
beautiful. You're so perfect. I love you so much. Mm-hmm. And this little kid hasn't done a thing except like eat and cry he and exists. keep me up at night. And like <laughs> he hasn't done yeah. anything. He hasn't even smiled at me yet. Like yeah. he just exists. And and I still like often have that m- mostly with him. But I think it's because of having that with him now that I also will see that with my other kids or like remember what it was like when they were a little baby and I just looked at them and loved them just because they existed Mm -hmm. even if they were making my life miserable like by doing like and not because it was their fault but like they needed to be changed and fed Mm -hmm. and had all these needs that they couldn't Mm -hmm. care for themselves and so like having this radical perspective of like I want to look at them with those eyes all the time and I fail at it a lot but instead of looking at them with like critical eyes of like, what do I need to fix about mm-hmm. you now that you're not this perfect infant? I love them. And then loving them holds them to a certain standard of behavior and things like right. that. It's not just a capitulation of, yeah. I love you, so do whatever the heck yeah. you want. But re- yeah, like recognizing that in the Lord, I think is just more and more giving me the eyes to mm-hmm. see that and and to be perfect like him in love and not seek perfection in how the world looks at me yeah okay well we've covered a lot of good ground was there anything that we didn't get to I guess maybe just kind of like summing up the blessings of motherhood I I started this list like what what has motherhood done well it's God is combating my root sins which is like especially pride and selfishness and Mm -hmm. he's tearing down these idols and he's refining my motives and changing them and I thought this all sound really negative Mm -hmm. but also realizing that at the same time that he's doing that, like because he's combating this sin of pride in my life, he's helping me to be humble. And because he is tearing down these idols and like tearing down my false identity, mm-hmm. he is building up my true identity as his daughter. And that's really what matters. Mm-hmm. And because he is changing my motives from seeking myself what I want or seeking what mm-hmm. other people want to seeking what he wants again he's preparing me mm-hmm. for heaven and and true happiness mm-hmm. because as much as I like to be praised as much as I like to feel good about myself or do what I want to do that's mm-hmm. not where true happiness yeah. is found and I also my kids are going to want to listen to this I'm sure and I hope that they and everyone else listening yeah recognizes and I wanting to do this more like I have shared some things about how my kids have done things that I don't like or Mm -hmm. are difficult, but they are also amazing children and I love them. And I think sometimes I don't want to publicly acknowledge how great they are because I'm afraid that that's bragging or it's prideful. I don't want to be that mom that's like, my kid has no faults. And like, because I started out my motherhood, like thinking that my Mm -hmm. kids were perfect then I think I sometimes swing the opposite direction and ins- and don't want to talk about any of the things right. they do well. So I guess I – Like you're cautious about yeah. – You don't want to fall back into the, the prideful. The pridefulness. But yeah. like really I-, I want to acknowledge like Caleb is super smart and energetic and has like such zeal for life mm-hmm. and enthusiasm about everything. And Benny is – also super smart and and observant and like pays attention to details that nobody else notices and will like know things or like see an animal and like just observe that and and pay attention in ways that not everybody does and is also 
just loving like mm-hmm. every stuffed animal that comes into the house becomes like his special stuffed animal <laughs> like just you know it like adopts really everything beautiful. and yeah. Gora is just like so calm you know and she just like she has all these brothers that are crazy all around her <laughs> and you know are fighting or whatever and she just is able to be like Aww. again like this peaceful heart and beautiful and I'm so grateful that like she shares some interest with me and kind of have that like girl camaraderie yeah. and and Andre is just like He's just joyful and he just makes us laugh and he does goofy things mm-hmm. and says things funny. And, you know, I think it's good. And, you know, you know, maybe you're not going to put this in the podcast, but just no, like affirming like they are so good and they're yeah. such good kids. And I think hopefully that frees up all of us as parents. Yeah. Like it's okay to talk about the good mm-hmm. things that our kids do and and be proud of them and be because they, yeah. they need that and they crave it and and we need that. And, like it's okay. Yeah. Like, how how easy it is to just like complain about right. everything and like oh this was harder that was hard and sometimes we need that and you need like the mm-hmm. camaraderie of like yeah someone else is going through this hard thing with me but mm-hmm. how much better like it, like what are the good things that are going yeah. on in your life yeah. right now tell me something good instead of all the bad things that you did today like, yeah. what are your victories and and it really like sometimes I think it's like pokey or I'm cynical about that like well you're just looking at life through rose-colored glasses and don't do that and just like be a realist right but it's not like it's equally true that you did good things right and you did bad things mm-hmm. so why not end the day focusing on the good things or why not right. focus on the good things in my children because that's actually what's going to help them grow like nobody grows because someone nags them all the time right. you know yeah. like, we grow because someone sees the good in us and coaxes that out thank you for sharing your perspective of your path to holiness of your vocation as a mother and um, and how that's you know grown and changed with time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Yep, excited for other moms to hear this and yeah, and maybe feel like they can do the same thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the story. If you're enjoying this podcast, and we hope that you are, since you're listening right now, could you do us a favor and recommend it to one other person, a family member, a friend, a fellow parishioner? We really appreciate your listenership, and we hope that it's something that you have enjoyed enough to want to invite others to listen to as well. If you have a story from your personal faith journey that you'd like to share with others through this podcast or by other means, you can let us know by filling out the form at standrewsceline.org slash witness.